Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. Had a good time in the prayer room this morning with a wonderful group of people who just love drinking the joy from heaven together and the prayer room, wonderful time together. We had a good couple shots of joy. It's always good just to be able to be in God's presence. Um, I'm, I'm going to have you all stand with me, if you will, just for a minute. I, I know some of you were standing for worship for a while. And I just want you to look at the person next to you and say, it doesn't matter what the devil says, today's going to be a good day. All right, go ahead and have a seat. That's a mouthful. Yeah, you guys did good. <laughs> How many know if, if the devil had his way, he'd make every one of our days a bad day? How many are so thankful that God is good? He is good all the time. And when he created heavens and the earth, after he finished all seven days, he said, it is good. That means every day is a good day with Jesus. What about these bad days we have? Keep it a good day with Jesus. Just keep it that way. I, I mean, I'm going to talk today about faith and talk about the power of faith and uh, love. And it's a, it's a kind of like a second part from two weeks ago when I spoke. Lynn's message was absolutely amazing when she spoke talking about uh, the lukewarm thing in John chapter 3, and uh, uh, that message really affected my, my heart. I, I feel like that message is one that could be preached in every church across the world, such a powerful message to help people understand the heart of Jesus in that word that he gave to the Laodicean church, and uh, it just really, I, I got to hear snap shots of it on our walks together, which is, I, I'm privileged to be able to walk with this woman. We take two-and-a-half-mile walks. Uh, our neighbors come by. They came by the other day, and we didn't have our, our uh, face warmers on, you know. And one of the, what the guy says, I can see your faces today. <laughs> it was pretty cold out, but it wasn't that cold. But anyway, um, I want to talk to you about the power of faith and uh, keeping, keeping it in a context. And I, I really don't know how long this message go, is going to go. And after spending time in the prayer team getting some shots of heavenly joy juice, I don't care how long it's going to go. It's just going to go, and we're going to, we're going to get through this, and it's going to be fantastic. Second Timothy 1, 13 to 14 says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That's such a powerful scripture with so many nuggets in it. Hold fast the pattern. Why would Paul write to Timothy and tell him to hold fast the pattern of the words spoken to you? Because there is a liar and there is a deceiver going out into the earth trying to corrupt the words of God, trying to corrupt what Jesus said, trying to, uh, well, just trying to enter into our minds and get us to think 
that the word of God isn't really relevant for our situations. Have you ever experienced that? Has anybody here ever experienced that it's not, not really, it's not really doing that much for me? I mean, maybe maybe you've sat and listened to some of my messages and you just sit there and go, well, this isn't relevant to me, whatever, you know. And, and it's quite possible that's true. And I mean, the nature, the nature of faith is to broadcast to those who have ears to hear. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago when I shared there are some things that can actually block the message of faith from entering our heart. We can actually hear a powerful message, and something could be blocking that. It's not necessarily an intent for us to have that happen, but there could be some things, some thoughts, some ideas. You know, you could be, uh, it could be near the end of the message, and you're starting to get hungry, and pizza could be interrupting your thoughts, you know. Uh, there's a, you could be sitting, and, you know, if you're a project-driven person and you always have to have a project, you could be thinking of the project that's waiting for you at home to finish or whatever. And there's all these things that can interfere and try to come in to get us not to hear what the spirit of the word is. And I just feel like in this message, he's saying, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard. Hold fast that pattern because it is necessary for us to hold on to the word of God. It's necessary for us to love what he is saying to us. And it's necessary not just to get words to have information, but to hear the word of God that penetrates into our very core so that we can grow and so that we can develop in faith. I used this scripture uh, two weeks ago, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's a, there's a hearing to this. I've been amazed in my life. I, I think well, when I rededicated my life in 1978 uh, to the Lord, I've seen and heard so many different concepts and perspectives and ideas. Uh, one of the churches that I, that, uh, I started attending back in 1978 um, was right in Lemonster, and uh, I loved the preacher there. I loved the pastor. He's a great guy, a good friend of mine still. He's, he's up in his 80s now, I think, or close to 90, and he's a great guy. He just loves the Lord, has a great heart, and I'd hear him speak, and I always got something from his message. Didn't matter, didn't matter what. There'd be something that would grab me in his word, and I, I just, I love that about the living word. It's like you can hear the message, and something will connect you to it. Maybe you've had this feeling uh, before where you hear something uh, that I preach, and just that, just the very morning, you were stirring those scriptures in your mind, that the concepts were there and alive, because it's all one spirit, right? And I would, I would come out of hearing these messages from this great man of God who would preach, a wonderful preacher, and I would come out after the service, and I'd hear people complaining. Hey, that didn't, he didn't preach the word of God today. And I'm thinking, how much? Maybe he didn't go from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, that's impossible to do every Sunday, but I heard the Word of God preached in there. Uh, I've been to uh, great revival meetings where some people are being highly affected by the Spirit of the Lord. Uh, Some of them years ago, back in the 90s, we would go to some of these meetings, and people would be bent over the pew. You'd see their rear end pointed up in the air, and they'd be laughing. Guys dressed in three-piece suits, bent over a pew, laughing their heads off. That's not a normal activity for a conference. But we would be in these kind of conferences where, where these kind of manifestations would take place, and yet there'd be people sitting there like this, looking around, not even being affected. 
one time I heard a couple of uh, good speakers, well-known speakers. We were talking in a, a meeting uh, just before the conference started, and they invited me to come in with them. And I was, why am I here? You know, but they invited me to come in, and I'm sitting there listening to this conversation. And one of them says, "What's with that guy sit, standing back there?" And this was down in Connecticut, a meeting down in Connecticut. What's with that guy standing back up against the wall? He's just like the whole time I was speaking, he was just glaring at me like this. What's with that guy? And I said, well, that's just that New England hard. I don't know who you are, so I'm not letting you in my life. And the other speaker looked at me and said, it sounds like a demon to me. (laughs) And I sat there and went, oh, okay. Who's going to argue with that, right? And um, I, I think that there's this need for us to understand that in the speaking and in the preaching of the word of God, there's going to be different ebbs and different flows and different seasons in our life and different times. But every single season, when you have a hunger for God's word and when you understand who he is and his nature, there's something you can get out of it for everything. Nothing in the word of God is irrelevant for our situations. Nothing. And I believe one of the uh, primary, uh, primary purposes of doubt is to make God irrelevant and to make his words irrelevant. I mean, I don't know how many people I've heard say this, but I, in our culture, that God is not relevant for our society today, or the Bible is not relevant today. It's it's obsolete. It's outdated. It's a, you know, it's a two thousand year old book. What what's it going to say to us today? Okay, so there's right there. There's a mindset that is actually blocking blocking the individual from hearing in faith, and that creates. Some problems, doesn't it? Uh, Jesus walked across the earth. I, I, this, this amazes me about Jesus is that people hold on to a Jesus today that probably didn't really even exist in, in his physical being. It's like we want to create Jesus in our own image, what we think he was like. We want to create, create God in our own image, what we think he's like. That is a mentality that blocks us from hearing the word of God in faith. It's going, to, it's going to sit there, and when, when God's word is proclaimed when he's preached, that mentality is going to be, eh, not really. Uh, years ago, I went to, uh, we went to a leadership uh, conference, which we have gone to uh, many times before, and uh, the first few years, they had a certain amount of speakers that would get up. It would always be the same, basically the same three speakers that would get up and speak at this leadership conference, and this one particular year... Uh, they gave, a, they gave a, a grand session to a speaker. I didn't know him. I didn't know who he was. And he gets up and he starts talking. And I'm sitting there in my seat. And I'm going, why, are they, why did they let this guy speak? What, what, what were they seeing in this guy? Because he's up, he's up unwrapping, you know, he's unwrapping the scripture. And, and I'm sitting there in my seat not knowing him, not understanding, kind of like the guy back against the wall, right? And I, I'm, like, I'm like going, well, this guy, man, he's not saying anything that's grabbing me. I, I'm not getting anything relevant. I'm thinking it's all in my head, right? And as I'm thinking this, I'm thinking it because I'd never heard of him. I, I didn't know what he was doing in the leadership conference with all these great leaders. I felt that most of the leaders didn't know who, who he was. And as he's up talking, I'm trying to follow him. And yet I'm not following him. He's not really connecting with me as he's speaking. And as he's speaking, I'm sitting there all this while with this struggle in my, my mind. 
and me thinking, I wish they would have put somebody else in this place. When it was over, I, um, I, I basically was uh, bewildered as to why this event, why the speaker was allowed to, to talk to a whole group of leaders. That, can I just be honest? That's what I was thinking. That's what I was feeling. Is it okay to be honest like this? That I do have a weakness and a flaw? <laughs> My wife knows I've got plenty, so it's like I might as well let you guys know too. But I actually met him in person. And we sat down, we had a coffee together, and we began to talk. And from that, a relationship grew. And now he is by far one of my favorite authors and speakers. At the time that he was speaking, he never authored a book. Now he's like authored like 15. Steve Backlund. <laughs> Serious. Uh, some of, you know, Steve Backlund only preached in small churches. Uh, he, had, he had a church in Round Mountain, uh, Nevada. And Round Mountain, Nevada, nothing, in his own words, nothing ever exciting happened. And he had to get past the mental block in his own head of where he was at and who he was ministering to. But in, in, in all honesty, a lot of the things in his head was all negative about the church and about the people he was ministering to. And the Lord began to work on him, began to shape him, began to form him. And now he's like Mr. Hope Injector, right? I mean, he guy carries a hypodermic needle around injecting everybody with hope. You know, he'll, he'll call me up out of the blue, you know, hey, how you doing? And, and if it, we start talking and if, and if uh, he, he hears me start going down maybe a little bit too negative of a road, he just gives me a hope injection. He says, well, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, God is able to work all things out together for the good of those who love him. And this is the positive affirmation of people who hear the word and faith gets created in their hearts. And I've come to love Steve Backlund. I'm just so thankful I did not retain that first impression of him in my own heart and in my own mind. I'm thankful that I begin to open up to him. And as you know, we've had him speak many times here. And ironically, I asked him to speak after the second time I heard him speak because the second time he was more used to a larger group and he did amazing. So I asked him to speak. (laughs) Some of you missed that. You were probably mowing your lawn or shoveling your snow. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 2. Oh, let me just say that Jesus, right, because people have formed this idea about Jesus. They've tried to make a, a Jesus in their own image. Jesus said this. He said that, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. He he did not omit the word of God. He did not dismiss it as irrelevant. He said it is the truth. But he also included the heart of the truth, that it's not just words. It's not just letters on a page. Right? A letter kills, the spirit gives life. So he brought this perfect harmony and this perfect balance, which is why we do what we do here at Faith Worship, and we've been doing this for a long time. But he brings this perfect balance of spirit and truth. He's showing that there is, there is a need for the truth in our lives on a daily basis, and there's a need to worship the spirit on a daily basis. 
And that there has to be a combination of those two things in our lives for it to really be that effective and to have the purpose of the kingdom of heaven. And I, I feel like there's, we can somehow get off balance a little bit. We can sometimes lose sight of that, which is why Paul was telling Timothy, hold fast. Hold fast to the words that I've spoken to you. And I believe that hold fast is very, very important to hold on to. Because how easy is it for us in our culture of multi-information sources? I mean, you've got YouTube, you've got uh, Messenger, you've got Facebook, you've got various other channels. There's so many social medias coming up right now. It's, it's almost, to me, it's almost looking like the church community when church first got started. You had a, one central church that started. But then someone got tired of that, so they started another church. And then someone got tired of that from that group and started another church. And you've got all these things starting because people are getting tired of the one thing. I find it very intriguing. And I think that the Word of God is forever. It does not fade. It lasts forever into eternity. I love this because we get to carry the Word of God with us into heaven. I'm not distracted. I'm just having a dance party with it. (laughs) It's probably one of the kids saying, can we come over today? Hebrews chapter (laughs) 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had power of death, that is, the devil. Now, this is good news. This is good news. This is Paul writing, and he is basically saying, Jesus came to destroy the power of the devil. It bothers me when I hear Christians multiply the devil's activity over God's activity. God's activity is way greater than the devil's activity. Don't even mess around with that toothless guy. He's lost his power. He's, he's a lion without teeth roaring about, seeking those who think he can devour them. <laughs> I really stretched that scripture there. Uh, it's a, that he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, verse 15, and release those who fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Yea, Jesus. Man, that is such good news for us. It's like we can relate to a high priest who, who is like us. He, he, he dealt with issues like us. He, he suffered death, but he did, he did so as a man. And when he rose from the dead, he did so as the son of God. And I just love this scripture because it basically shows that he's merciful, that he's patient with us, that he's kind with us, that he's, he's not this angry guy who, uh, you know, waits for us to make the next mistake. 
his anticipation for us to achieve and accomplish great things is where faith actually comes from. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures now at this point. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. That word mix indicates a certain listening found in God's people that caused them to think that what they heard was irrelevant for their day. Numbers chapter 13 talks about it. This is, it talks about what happened in this event. And I, I don't know, I was thinking, should I read this entire passage or should I just paraphrase it? And I think because of the time, I'm going to paraphrase it. These leaders, Moses sent these leaders out into the promised land to spy it out and to bring a report back to the people. He sent out 12 guys. They're all leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. So one leader per each tribe. He sends them out to go spy out the land because this is the promised land. This is the land that God is going to take them. He's now taking them out of the desert, and now they're going to have their own land. It's going to be the promised land. He's promised great things from this land, and he's, he's given these people a great hope that they're going to finally have a home. They're not going to be enslaved anymore for 400 years. They're going to have their own home, have their own land. They're going to take the land. So he makes this incredible promise to them. And the leaders go out. Ah, I'll read it. It's just too good not to read. It really is. And they come back, and this is what they said. When we went to the land where you sent us, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Oh, no, Anak. Oh, man. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, I'm skipping, by the way, and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Everybody say bad report. Bad report. Anybody hear any bad reports lately? Bad reports. reports. I just saw one the other day. It made me laugh because remember, uh, I think it was about a month ago, I heard how many uh, reports there are out there in the mainstream mainstream media of uh, asteroid collision with the Earth, you know, um, global warming uh, causing icebergs to melt so that it floods us out and we're going to lose so many countries from the flooding and on and on and on and on and it goes and these people without God they have no concept of him holding everything together and he's held it all together since he created it and nature has a way of replenishing in life cycles and I just want I just want to tell you it's such a there's such a fatalistic thinking out there and in people without God they have no hope that God is good and that he is faithful, and that he's a creator, and that he has a design, and that he has a plan, and that everything is going according to plan. So I'm reading this newspaper a couple days ago, and scientists have now predicted the exact moment in time when the sun is going to explode and destroy us all. Bad news. (laughs) We can... We can laugh at these things, but these, this is what they were facing. 
the people of Israel. They were getting, they had the promise given to them. They had the word proclaimed to them that they were more than conquerors. They were going to go in and take the land. Just like we have the word proclaimed to us that we are more than conquerors and we can go forward into great victory. They had the same desire, the same hope, had the same promise, and they heard the bad report. The land through which we have gone, as spies in a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it were men of great stature. There we saw the giants. They were so big. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Wouldn't it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Wow. What is going on with that? That's just weird. Moses brought them out of Egypt. They were enslaved in Egypt. They did, they did not have good lives in Egypt. Their lives weren't good. They weren't happy. They were brick makers, stomping around in the mud all day, forming bricks out of straw and clay. They didn't have a good, a good life in Egypt, but somehow in their thinking, they forgot all that. And now Moses is to blame. Because he is the preacher of the word. Uh, let me tell you something about Moses and his preaching of the word. He had, he had problems with talking. He, he had speech problems. He had talking problems. He, he was not a clear communicator. He had another problem. He was not really in touch with the people because he was more in touch with God. And the guy's always going up on the mountain to pray. And when he comes down, he's got so much glory of the Lord signing on, the people can't even take it. So whether the people were afraid of all that glory he was carrying or whether he just was more of a God person than a people person, I don't know. But he, he, somehow along the line, that promise of the word of God, the declaration of the, of the promised land being so good, somewhere along the line, the people lost connection with Moses and they just heard the report of the people, the other leaders. And oh, my. Right? Caleb. No. We can go now, today, and take the land because God has given us the land and he has taken their protection from them. The people. This is horrible. This is terrible. Giants. We're like grasshoppers. There's no way we can take this land. Ah, this is, I know, this is... It's such a long time ago. What does this have to do with us, right? I mean, look at us. We live, we live in a season of time where medical science is at an all-time high. It's, it's, they're doing stuff medically, scientifically, that just blows my mind what they can do, how they can do it, an eye surgery with a laser. 
I mean, you understand, we live in days that are like extremely, extremely driven by a scientific mind to advance and go forward. And I'm not against that. I think that's a great thing. But if that's all you are and science becomes your God, you're going to have some problems with God. And I think this is what was taking place with with these folks is that they they were they were having problems with God. They had they had issues around them and God just wasn't that relevant to them. I mean, when you think about him sending them into a land of giants, that's a real issue. They're farmers, if even that. They're just people. They've been out in the desert wandering around, eating bread from heaven. Let's pick a leader and go back to Egypt. See, the main objective of doubt, its main objective is to take the word of God and make it irrelevant to your situation. Like God's promise, do you, do you think God, how many of you think God knew about the giants in the promised land? Huh? How many think he knew that they were really, really big people? Maybe not like the giants having a rock fight on Lord of the Rings, but they're really big. A real issue for the people. And God knew about the issue. And he promised them great things in spite of the issue. But they believed the big thing that the giants were actually bigger than what God can handle and that what they could handle. Now, does that sound relevant today? I think it does. We're dealing with issues where God's promise really good for today. I mean, I, a lot of people are sick and dying. What about the healing promise? I mean, we can't even get into the hospitals and pray for people because of this pandemic. That's that's the real issue. I, I had no before the pandemic. I had no problem visiting people in the hospital. Now you can't. But does that mean that this sickness and all the stuff that is taking place in our culture today, giant though it might be, does it mean that it's bigger than God's promise? Wow, I got a couple yes or no's on that. I got a lot of stares of, what did you just say? Listen, the promise of God is good in every generation. It does not. It, it is not specific to a, a certain amount of time. It is every generation. Yes and amen, because it's eternal, because it doesn't fade. If he makes a promise in his word, it is a promise he is able to keep. And our heart has to be connected to that promise in spite of the issues that we face that we call relevant in our day. I find it very interesting that the, the, the nation Israel's under the old covenant had the same glad tidings preached to them and yet had the same kind of reaction that a lot of Christians have. 
where, where, like I had you stand up, no matter what the devil uh, says, today's going to be a good day. Okay, because he's, he's always going to be saying that stuff. And I, I find it amazing that as people, we can get so drawn into what the enemy would try to say to us to overcome the promises of God. And I also find it so amazing that the grace, goodness, and mercy of God is so great that we can overcome anything that the enemy throws our way. Anything. There's nothing in his arsenal that's bigger than a promise. Wow. I said, what's so incredible about the mission that Jesus came to accomplish? You know, think about this. He's, he's there with his guys. <clears throat> he's got his 12 guys sitting around. I, if you haven't seen any of the Chosen Seasons yet, watch the Chosen Seasons. It's really a good show. I don't agree with it. All their pictures of Jesus, sure, but you you do get a good idea of what it was like to walk with Jesus and have 12 common guys walking with the Messiah. And he's sitting there with these 12 guys, fishermen, tax collectors, etc. Andrew, I don't know what Andrew was. He, he sat underneath a tree, fig tree. That was Andrew's task <laughs> probably a prophet or something I don't know but he, he pulls him pulls him together and he sits him down and they ask him teach us to pray and in his prayer a promise is given it's not a hopeless it's not a wish list it's a promise when you pray our Father, who art in heaven. So the first promise is we have a Father. He is good. He is a good Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name is holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's sitting here with these 12 guys. They are drawn in to what he's saying because he's teaching them how to pray. And when they get when he gets to that part, I just wonder what their thinking was. Were they hearing it? Were they connecting to it? Did they hear it as a promise or did they hear it as a wish? Did they hear what he was telling them? And did they say, He wants us to change the earth? And Andrew looks over at Peter and says, there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> a good church attender. I'm just kidding. But he's telling these guys, I have called you. I have chosen you. I have made promises to you. You are going to change the earth by bringing my kingdom here. Because Jesus' mission was destroy the work of the devil. Destroy the work of the devil. To destroy the power of the devil. 
Destroying what? 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 Do you, what right? Romans, Paul, size and Romans that we are no longer under the power of sin and death. Jesus came to destroy it by the finished work of the cross, and that's the promise, and that's the hope that we have. But really, you you know. Do we really think that our sin is greater than the promise that God has given to us? Do we really let our sin send us down into the bottom of a depressed state? It's just so big. If I could just be rid of it. Trust me, he got rid of it. You need to hear that promise. Secure it into your heart. And live there. To make the change that's going to change the world. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Therefore, beloved partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of your confession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone. But he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant. For a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. Yeah, Moses, he he might have had a talking issue. He might have been a poor communicator. His, his speech impediment might have caused all kinds of misunderstanding and confusion. But he was faithful in his house. He didn't sway from the calling that God gave him. He remained faithful in his house. And Jesus is faithful in his house. He doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a listening problem. <laughs> but he doesn't have a speaking problem. And when you hear his words and take his words to your heart, and when you hear the spirit of what he's saying, then that begins to grow and develop in you, and you begin to bear fruit according to his promise. But Christ, verse 6, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm, firm to the end. Hold fast, church. Remain firm. God is still in control of this great planet that he created. The sun still comes up in the morning. It still sets at night. And the beautiful moon gives us light at night and the stars. Asteroids colliding with Earth. I don't know. It seems like all of them that do come close to our Earth burn up before they actually hit the ground. They do hit the ground. They're just a small rock. Yeah, but how do you know that's going to be like that forever? I just know that he's got the whole world in his hands. He destroyed the destroyer. 
And all that destroyer has is a bunch of lies to make us think we're going to have a bad future. That we're not. Right? You know how you you know how you know you're listening to the word of God and how you're listening to his promise? Overcoming and progressive moving, going forward, is always the goal. Never defeat. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org. Thank you.